0: It's
1: the podcast It's episode 1022 and it's the relevant podcast Here in Orlando, I'm your host Cameron Strang And joining me from Loverland, Virginia is Jesse Carey Hello, hello From Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner What up? And from Austin, Texas, artist, artist, author, podcaster, mogul, Jamie Ivy. Hey, guys. Hey. I am glad to be back with you guys. It's, it's been, uh, it's holiday season, you know, people are traveling in and out and all this kind of stuff. It's so good to be back with the whole family. We, last episode was a lot of fun, but um, I'm still a little jet lagged from getting yeah. back from Israel. I, I just got back a couple of days ago, so forgive me if I'm a little uh, slow. On on today's show. Well,
2: for a lot of people, it's it, you know going to the Holy Land. You know, we got we got to have some kind of recap. It seems like a pretty big deal to go spend a week in Israel, especially this time of year.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It was I was a guest of the Israeli Ministry of Tourism actually, and so we I've been several times to the Holy Land, but it was always for stories and you know a conflict or whatever. And this was just literally like, let's go on a religious pilgrimage. Let's go see all the holy sites and and stuff. And I'll be honest with you like I've I've been to like the Jerusalem holy sites, the old city a few times and it's very um overwhelming like just the crush of tourists and just yeah. p- pilgrims. And it's just not what you think. But my favorite part of Israel, we spent a lot of time in, which is the northern part up by Galilee, you know, uh, Capernaum and all that. I mean, really where Jesus lived and ministered and spent all of his time, the disciples were up there. And we spent like three or four days up there and uh, saw a lot of stuff I hadn't seen before. Uh, we went up to the Golan Heights uh, to a site called Banias, which back in the time of Jesus was a, a temple to the God Pan. And this huge Greek temple was built out of this cliff, right? And it's out of this cliff, literally water is coming out of the rock and that water flows and becomes the Jordan River. So this is like the, the very headwaters of what becomes a Jordan. And there's no spring or anything. It's literally just water that absorbs into the rock, just comes out and makes a river. It's just a bizarre thing. And so they made, the Greeks made this temple to Pan and the, and the relics of it are still there and they had like a rendering of what it looked like in the time of Jesus. but what's significant biblically about this site it was at this this was Caesarea Philippi
0: mm.
1: and this was literally at this site where Jesus you know at this Greek pagan temple said to Peter, Upon this rock, mm. I will build my church, and you're standing in the presence of this enormous rock, mm. and it's just like all of a sudden, like the gospel, mm-hmm. like becomes real, and you understand why he used terminology like that—that the—that the rock that I'm building my kingdom on is flesh and blood, and will outlive any pagan monument, mm. you know, that man could erect. You know, what I'm saying, and so it's like it was really powerful, and then we spent time, you know, obviously you, you, you're on the hill where they did the Sermon on the Mount, and you can see you know, what he's talking about. And you see the city on the hill over there, it's Tiberius, And, you know, you can like see everything and it's, you realize how small it is and how walkable it is. But uh, last time I was up there, there was this archeological dig that was off the side of the road. And somebody pointed out like, Hey, they just found some stuff. And, you know, like there's this big dig going on. I visited the dig. This has been like seven or eight years now. And they built this huge thing. And what they had found is Magdala. The town that Mary Magdalene was from. Oh wow! And it was like a big shipping village that they unearthed, and it, you can literally see the synagogues. There was two of them. It was a very affluent town. You can tell by a lot of the mosaic work in the synagogue, which did not exist outside of, um, you know, uh, Rome basically. And and so like you can see the affluence, and it was a major shipping port and all this stuff. And this is where Mary Magdalene was, and where Jesus walked. And you can literally like walk in the steps and see where this was where he did this and where he did that miracle. it's just like so powerful. It's so, so powerful. It's just like one of those things that like, and Galilee is so different than Jerusalem. Jarek, I know you've been there and it's like there in Jerusalem is like overwhelming and commercialized and it's a big city. And it's just like, not you don't feel the, the presence the way you do up in Galilee, you know, where it's like largely untouched. I mean, it's a lot like it was back then. And to just to go out on the, what they call the Sea of Galilee. And it's actually just a big lake. It's eight miles wide. It's freshwater. I don't know why they call it the sea. (laughs) It's not, (laughs) but you know, just to go there. And then we went down the Jordan river and saw the site where literally John the Baptist baptized Jesus. It was, I was never able to visit it before because it was in a disputed area on the border with Jordan and they've in the last two years opened it up. And so it's the first time people can visit it now, but because it was always disputed land, like there aren't big temples and palaces built there, you know, over the years, like it's, it feels very like, like it was back then. I mean, you're just going through the desert and all of a sudden you come across this oasis where John the Baptist was known to be doing his baptisms near Jerusalem. It's, it's crazy. It was powerful. It was very, very powerful. And you know, the whole point of it is everybody who's a believer should go visit the Holy land at some point in their life. It, It makes the gospel real. You know, and like, it just, it, it does something, it does something to you. So I'm glad to be back. It's a lot of travel. It's 20 hours each way. So i um, wow. jumping back glad into it. Glad you're back, bro. Man. I'm,
3: glad you're back. Yeah. I've
2: Thanks. always
1: wanted to go. And, you
2: know, Me too. I, I've, you know, been a follower of Christ for, you know, pretty much my whole life. So I'd love to, you know, see the historical places he visited and, and walk in his footsteps.
1: The, um, the, the food. Best food of your life. Oh, yeah. The food is, is unbelievable. Yeah. The, the meals are all evening long. Just having a lunch, of falafel or a shawarma or something just in a pita. Oh, so good. So Jesse, you said someday you want to go there. And I'll be honest with you. I was there scouting a trip for us next year potential yeah. trip for us next year so man, the man. idea is that we would all go and then we'd invite some of our artists and other friends you know and, and go and and spend a week in the holy land um, like you and so Jesse or am I
3: invited to this no, too we
1: the podcast we we all of us so uh, we, if, we, if we, our we. friends and partners are listening I have now put it out publicly that this needs to happen, (laughs) so let's make it happen. Let's go, let's go. Make it happen, yeah. Well, we have a great show for you today. Coming up later, we talk to a legend in the faith, a hero in the faith, Tim Keller, author, pastor, Tim Keller. Uh, You don't want to miss that. Um, Also, at the end of the show, we have a very special Christmas-themed epic battle. But stay tuned. Coming up next, it's Slices.
4: Move to the kitchen. You're
1: listening to Myja. The song is How You Liked.
0: Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now and the reviews that count are in.
4: Amazing. Did not disappoint.
1: Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking,
0: uplifting.
4: You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen season four.
0: Episodes one through three of the chosen season four are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today.
1: Okay, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? All
2: right, I have one that's a little controversial and some listeners might be upsetting some listeners, but I don't care because the people behind this <laughs> you might not agree with them, but they're objectively hilarious in their level of cultural trolling. They're trying to make a, a larger point. Um, but uh, a lot of parents at an at a elementary school called Golden Hills Elementary School, it's outside of San Francisco, um, mm-hmm. were outraged, outraged this week, because the school has is now offering a new after-school club. I can't even say the name of the after-school club without laughing. The After School Satan Club.
5: <laughs> no. Man, I've seen that. That's crazy. Oh, God. <laughs> this is
2: a club uh, put on by the Satanic Temple. The same uh, people who, uh, I, think, I believe it was in Kansas, when there was a display of the Ten Commandments on the municipal property. You know, It was a large mm-hmm. marble display that some donor had said the city should put up. Well, they petitioned and said, well, if they get a monument, so should we. And they were like, don't worry, it will be tasteful. And they unveiled the image of it. And it is literally a giant goat-headed demon sitting on a throne with children bowing to it. Ob- objectively, oh the most heavy metal and the most hilarious monument anywhere in America. Like, it is horrifying and it is massive. Like, can you imagine going to like, you know, I got to run down of city hall. I'm building a deck and I need to get a permit. <laughs> you got to walk by <laughs> a 15-foot tall goat-headed demon. Listen, it's it's objectively funny. It can offend your religious sensibilities, yes. but it is hilarious. As is after offering an after-school Satan Club. Now, this is the work of the Satanic Temple. Um, now, they uh, they will go. They say outright that they are they don't believe in the supernatural Satan. They are not a religious organization. This is basically an exercise in exploring the 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 limits of. The, the government's ability to favor one religion over the other. And the reason that they're offering this club at the school is because the school now offers the Good News Club, which is an after-school Bible club uh, for students at the school. Now, uh, the Satanic Temple, basically, uh, their whole mission is to challenge... Uh, sort of, I guess, um, for lack of a better term, like the preferential treatment that Christians often get when it comes to public displays of faith. Now, whether this is after-school Bible clubs, whether this is Uh, you know, Christian monuments in, in public places, the satanic temple, their method of sort of challenging uh, this, you know, sort of, like I said, sort of preferential treatment is going in and, and forcing those same places to give them the same treatment. Now the club actually does exist, but they just said, they're going to, you know, uh, uh, do exercises and reason and free thought, nothing overtly religious at all, but it's caused a huge uproar in the town but the school administrators have come out and basically said, there's nothing we can do with it. Mm-hmm. Like we understand right. that this is upsetting to people, but this is what the school said in a letter to parents by law. The district cannot discriminate against groups wishing to use the facilities or distribute flyers to, to uh, students based on a viewpoint. It is very important to note. However, the district does not endorse any of the groups or the content affiliated with the groups um, that are uh, host after school events on district property. Again, I know this is probably uh, a quote unquote, I don't know how many people are actually, you know, offended more than they are just kind of um, I'm more just amused by it. I think it's it's a funny way to sort of troll people in into being forced to think about some complicated Mm -hmm. uh, social and religious and legal issues, Uh, but they're at it again. And uh, I'm kind of interested to hear what your guys' take on this is.
1: My viewpoint is similar to yours. I, I I obviously like I I'm troubled by it, but then at the same time do others as you've had them doing to you. And if we want to have religious clubs in the school, we have to say Mm -hmm. that we have to open up to all religions to do the same thing. You can't pick and choose. It's all or nothing. You're setting a precedence and it's like, that's just being part of a diverse free society. Right. I mean, so I, I, there's nothing we can do about it. I mean, if we want to have Christian clubs, it's like no clubs or any clubs. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, there's yeah. nothing, there's no in between.
5: So, yeah.
1: And
3: religious freedom is only free if it's free for mm-hmm. everybody.
5: Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And hey, yeah, if you want to raise your kid to be a child of Satan, bro, it's your kid, man. That's, you know, I, I don't know if that's gonna, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to help you. <laughs> as far well, as well, they this. said
2: three kids have
5: signed up.
1: So I'm like, hey, <laughs> I'm like, yo.
5: When it's all said and done, man, look, my, I'm raising my kids under Jesus, and I'm having a hard time for them to clean their room but, every well, day. I'm like, man, <laughs> so I don't
2: know. Well, like I said, they they, they have they have said, listen, this is we are not the Church of Satan, mm. which is actually Satanist. We, you know, this is. More or less, sort of a thought experiment, mm-hmm. and and a way just to you know force people to reckon with you know notions of religious freedom in, in a free society. Mm. Um, and again, I, I I think I'm more or less just amused every time they make the news because I just think <laughs> despite even I'm not advocating uh, the, the the spread of the the. Principles of Satan. I do think this is a a a funny way to force people to have to think about this. Mm. Like I said, in a way that just frankly just amuses me. Mm. Yeah. All right. What do you have, Jamie?
3: Okay. So here's what I have to ask you. I'm going to start with a question real quick. Is there a celebrity that you would buy their shoes from them? Like they've gone, they they they've they passed away, and you want to own a pair of their shoes? Yes or no? Mm -hmm. It's a no for me. I can't under. I don't understand why you want to buy shoes like
2: actual shoes that they wore.
3: Yeah. but like but I
1: have actual shoes that like Dwight Howard and Shaq wore. Yeah, in a basketball alive. game on my they're shelf alive. right there.
2: They're alive. It's a little different Okay.
3: Thing. And maybe it's a little different if like <laughs> if it's an old raggedy pair of Birkenstocks that somebody wore. I think that changes it a little bit. You guys, oh. sandals once worn by Steve Jobs, they were auctioned off for $218,000. These mm. are shoes that look like you would pick them up at Goodwill mm. because he wore them but, every single day. Um, like
1: in the 70s but, and 80s when he was building Apple, right? 100%. They're old, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I
5: bet they stink.
1: So they're artifacts. So it's
2: like you they the Smithsonian. They go back to the
3: mid-1970s. It's the highest price ever paid yeah, but, for a pair of, of sandals. But,
2: but this isn't like the, you know little welding stuff he used to make the first circuit board. This was the shoes shoes he he was wearing. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. You know, it just seems like a, just a random thing. He he was like a hippie. But
3: Cameron, your shoes, like like they probably look cool on a shelf. Like you could put them on like a shoe wall or whatever. These literally Mm. look like your grandpa's Birkenstocks that he wore Mm -hmm. in the 50s. And I I just, I thought it was amazing that people paid 200,000, over $200,000 for a pair of sandals that Steve Jobs wore.
1: I mean, maybe it's because we got a big old planet Hollywood here in Orlando and you walk in, there's just outfits everywhere. I, d- I don't think this is that weird. I mean, it's just, okay. a you know, he's that's a famous a money, person. Who,
5: 200, 200 that racks. Iconic, that's a lot of money. 200 racks. I mean, if it was like that's five a, grand, I could still, that's still perfect. a lot, but it's still not like two hundred. They said 000. they were hoping
3: to get 60. So they got, they were hoping for 60,000 and then the what? final price. Yeah. Over 200 grand. That feels
1: like money laundering to me. I don't think that that's. Yeah. Someone gets I don't know. I think there's a mob mob affiliation there. Honey. All
5: right. What do you have, Derek? What I have is in uh our update on uh the Twitter apocalypse or or not, depending on what you think. People <laughs> are thereof. now yeah. uploading full movies onto Twitter in too many increments because of a copyright policy uh uh Mistake, I guess. Breakdown. So somebody yeah, uploaded yeah. Tokyo Drift at two minute increments, and it took fifty posts. But first <laughs> off, that's a lot of dedication. <laughs> dog. Like I, 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 I mean, I, I'm down that's with funny. trolling, but I just I don't know if I could fifty posts of two minute increments of a movie troll. Like that's a lot. That's but hilarious. That's kind of crazy though. It's
1: like it's like they're going because it used to be human monitored, and so then that whole right, team left, and there's gone. nobody monitoring if you're uploading copyrighted material so they're just having a heyday right now on twitter
5: oh really you just made up a great point man like so how are they monitoring right like how is geez right. Louise. well that's right. why
1: they had to shut down the verification as well mm-hmm. because like there wasn't anybody there to verify mm-hmm. anything anymore so Everybody was doing impersonations and stuff and so they shut that down for a while. I, you know, it turns out you might need a staff <laughs> to run a massive good thing. thing. True. Like that. You know what? That's a good idea. So, yeah. We need a staff.
3: Don't fire your people.
1: I literally I know we're recording this a week before people are hearing it, but I literally saw a Twitter tweet today that the layoffs are over and we're hiring again. And it's just like because they cut too deep and now they need to put people back All into right. the seats. So anyway. Awesome yeah. Alright That's funny Well there's a lot more Where that came from Go check out Relevantmagazine.com For slices every day Stay tuned Up next Tim Keller joins us Don't miss it
0: Never come back Never come back Go for a
1: You're listening to The Arcs. The song is Keep On Dreaming. Well, Relevant has a lot happening this year, and we don't want you to miss a thing. Make sure to sign up for our newsletter right there on the front page at relevantmagazine.com, and we'll send you our top five trending stories into your inbox every weekday. We'll also send you a weekly uh, podcast newsletter with the latest episodes, some uh, fan extras, and first peeks at the new shows that we're going to be rolling out throughout this year. Make sure to sign up. It's the best way to Keep in touch with everything we got going on. Well, our guest today is Tim Keller. He's a pastor, author, and hero of the faith. He sat down with our very own downtown Emily Brown to talk about what forgiveness truly looks like, how we can pursue forgiveness and justice simultaneously, and how we can be a more loving body of Christ. Here's our conversation with Tim Keller.
4: excited to talk about forgiveness which I love talking about because I think it needs to be talked about more personally I think we could all use a bit more forgiveness in our life um, especially I know my generation forgiveness is a really big topic at this time especially when it's put next to justice um, yeah. and a lot of yeah. people would say you know we need to pursue justice over forgiveness but you argue that there is space for both so I'd love to know, you know what do you mean by that and what does that look like
0: Forgiveness is not the opposite of doing justice. Um, that actually forgiveness is not only a, not a contradiction of doing of pursuing justice, it's actually a precondition for pursuing justice. Because if you don't forgive before you start to pursue justice, you'll actually be pursuing vengeance. Mm. Um, the, you know, the, the Bible has, uh, there's a, a, a statement in the Bible that's called, it's called the lex talionis. Uh, which is uh, an, you know, a tooth for a tooth, you've heard that? Mm-hmm. Well, in the reason why that's a that was a legal rule, a tooth for a tooth is see if somebody actually knocks your tooth out, comes up to you and knocks your tooth out, you don't want to turn around and just knock out their one tooth. You want <laughs> yeah. you wanna knock all their teeth yes. out because <laughs> vengeance almost always goes beyond mm-hmm. justice. It uh, you want the person to suffer, you want the person to hurt. In fact, you usually want them to hurt a little more than you were hurt because they started it. And so, two things about vengeance. Vengeance is always goes beyond justice. Well, I'll say three things about it. It tends to usually go beyond what justice requires. Number two, it uh, it very seldom really is successful because vengeance is easy to see so if you're going after a perpetrator and you're trying to really just make that person suffer that person is not going to respond well to you they're not going to repent they're not going to admit they're wrong they're going to see that it's a vendetta and they're just going to you know get their back up or even retaliate and last of all uh, vengeance eats you up with anger i mean it just consumes you and what you ought to do is you ought to get control of that anger by forgiving and then go pursue justice and then you will do it well. You will do it in a just way. And a big part of the difference between vengeance and justice is motivation. That's the last thing I'll tell you here on this one. See, why do I want justice? You know, Why do I want that person to admit they are wrong and maybe have some consequences? And uh, I could be doing this for God's sake, because God is a just God. I could be doing it for even the perpetrator's sake, because it's... It would be great to see that person change so that they don't do this again. I could be doing it for the sake of other victims, so nobody else gets hurt. So I could be doing it for justice's sake, God's sake, the victim's sake, the perpetrator's sake. But in vengeance, you're doing it for your sake. It's really all about you. It's very self-absorbed. Um, you hide behind the idea of justice but what you're really after is I want this person to suffer at least as much as they made me suffer and and therefore uh, forgiveness is changing your motives getting, uh, getting control of that and therefore making it possible for you to actually pursue justice. It's not the opposite. It's not like if I forgive I can't pursue justice. Who says that? Why? That's not in the Bible. It mm-hmm. doesn't say you can't pursue justice. So that's really important because you are absolutely right, Emily, that, that the average younger adult sees uh, forgiveness as meaning I, I don't bring it up, I can't talk to the... I can't say anything about it anymore. And that's... I don't think that's what you see in the Bible at all. I don't think that's really how it's defined.
4: I just want to ask point blank, is there ever a time where we don't have to extend forgiveness?
0: I think Jesus said, no, if if you use the word extend, Mm -hmm. meaning, you know, when Jesus was saying 70 times seven, you know, those places Mm -hmm. where, where, when Peter says, do we have to forgive 70 uh seven times and jesus says 70 times seven most commentators think that jesus is saying no you there's you always have to do it Mm -hmm. Uh, most people do not think jesus is always saying you got 490 (laughs) (laughs) you have to do it 490 times and the 491st time you don't have to forgive almost nobody thinks he's saying that it's a it's a metaphor to say no you must always extend it but don't forget what Mm -hmm. we just said and that is you, forgiving internally, where you let go of the anger and you let go of the desire for vengeance, is one thing. Mm-hmm. But actually, reconciling with somebody we have a relationship, that is up to them. And, uh, and therefore, extending forgiveness means you keep the door open if they're willing to change, but you do not let them abuse you. Mm-hmm. So, it, there's a sense in which, yes, I, I do think you, there is no place where you, you don't extend forgiveness. If you're talking about the inside, Mm -hmm. um but by the way this uh a book by a friend two friends of mine dan allender and tremper longman some years ago wrote a book called bold love uh tremper is an old testament biblical uh studies professor and dan was a psychologist he's a, a counselor they talked about three kinds of people an evil person a fool and a regular sinner An evil person was somebody who is very cruel and absolutely knows what they're doing. They're being cruel and they're completely deliberate, completely conscious of it. They're trying to wreak havoc. They're angry they're bitter and they're trying to destroy people and destroy things and they know exactly what they're doing. Uh, A fool is somebody who's very destructive but kind of of oblivious. You know, they're proud or they're self-centered and they're kind of like... They don't, real, they don't seem to realize, they feel like I'm okay and everybody else is wrong, but they're just wreaking havoc everywhere, but they're, they, they, they don't seem to realize how bad they are and he, they call them a fool. And a regular sinner is everybody else, because we all sin. Mm-hmm. And they did say that that you, you have to be, you have to put up more barriers around the fool and the evil person, that mm-hmm. even if you forgive them, you have to be extraordinarily clear that unless they make major changes um, that there is not going to be reconciliation mm-hmm. so in that sense yes you always have to extend forgiveness inside yeah but when it comes to I don't know I mean that woman who was calling every Tuesday night but that is her father mm-hmm. and I think that was great I think with most people who are really evil etc you say if I see a change in you absolutely I'd be interested in talking about a relationship but I don't and I'm, I'm not Going to make it easy for you to get to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make it easy for you at all to sin against me. And so, in those cases, you, in many ways, you do withdraw, mm-hmm. and you should because you just don't want to become, um, you, you don't want to be grist for their evil mill.
4: Many times where we need to ask someone for forgiveness. Yeah. Um, and so how can we, how can we take that step to ask for forgiveness for someone that we have hurt or wronged?
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think to start with, uh, here's, here's two things. One is when you've hurt somebody else, there's almost always, there's always been a mixture. In other words, if you've done something wrong, usually the other person has contributed to it as well. And what you want to do is uh, it might be uh, maybe 60% of the problem was them, but for only 40% was you, at least in your mind. Now, the trouble is the other person probably thinks it's 60, 40, the other direction. Exactly. But what you do is you go and you admit your part. You do not say, yeah, but you did this. Too. You know, you just, mm. if, if, if it's only 20% your fault, you admit the 20% and you're, and you're quiet. So I feel like I did this wrong. Um, and then you actually ask, do you agree or have I missed something? Let them fill in what else, that, that, you know, in other words, if you say, I re-, basically, you don't have to use the word repent, but basically you're saying, I repent for this, I think I really wronged you. Do you see it that way too? Would you add anything there? And sometimes the person will say, well, I think you also did this in the business. And, this and, this. and you, mm-hmm. you, you, you try to confess and admit and repent for everything that you honestly can. The second thing you do is say, but here's here's a concrete way which I'm going to try to change. I'm not just asking your forgiveness, mm-hmm. but you do say that I repent, I ask your forgiveness. But then you say, and here's here's the change I'm going to make so that I don't do this again. Mm-hmm. And that's it, I think. In other words, you go uh, talk without excusing yourself, without blaming people for other, you know, just the part that's your responsibility, you admit you're open to them. Adding to it, and then you admit that, then you ask for forgiveness, and you say, Here's the things I'm going to try to do to change that so this doesn't happen again. That's what I would call that's how you ask for forgiveness.
1: That was Tim Keller. Make sure to check out his latest book, Forgive Why Should I and How Can I? It's out now. Alright, stay tuned up next It's Epic Battle Look
0: at me always thinking the world Twisting and turning Until we all get wound up Bet you're obsessing until it hurts Look at me always thinking The sun won't come up Red lights all the way All the tones on your So tired I could sleep right here Push it through
1: You're listening to Young Sob and Bear Cubs. The song is The Sun Won't Come Up. Okay, it's time for... Epic battle. Please welcome to the show our very own downtown Emily Brown. She's joining us to play this game because we got to do teams. So, uh, hey, Emily. Hey, y'all. Emily, you're going to be paired up with Derek today. Be thinking of your team name. And then Jamie and Jesse, you guys are the other team. I'm coming back to Derek. And Emily, what's your team name? Season Salt. Season Salt. Season Salt. All right. All right. Jamie and Jesse, what's your team name? Jesse James. Jesse Jamie. Jesse
3: James.
1: Jesse James. Jesse James James it is. Okay. So the premise of Epic Battle is the internet likes to argue. Twitter likes to argue about... This superhero is better than that superhero or this, you know, this soccer team is better than that soccer team. Who cares? So we just thought we would take a few Christmas related scenarios. This is a holiday themed epic battle. We would take some Christmas scenarios and pit them against each other. You guys would battle it out and we would once and for all decide the winner. So we will give you your person. We will give you the scenario and then you guys will uh, figure it out uh, or you'll make your cases. And then Jason, you're going to pick the winner. Okay. All right. Okay. Here we go. So Season Salt, you're, you're, you have Kevin McAllister from Home Alone. Oh, we Jesse James, you guys have Letitia Wright as the Black Panther. And we want to know between Kevin McAllister and home alone and Letitia Wright as a black Panther, who would win in a game of hide and seek? Who would win in a game of hide and seek? All right. Uh, Making the case for Kevin McAllister home alone season. Salt. you're up first. Tell us your opening statement. All right.
4: Um, I mean, we've seen home alone, you know, like Kevin McAllister, he is literally hidden from two kind of doofuses, but still like he is good at hiding from anybody. And, he can set booby traps to really make it seem like he's in a place, but he's not like he is creative. Right. He is innovative. So if anyone's going to be able to hide from anyone, it's Kevin McAllister he okay. hid from his whole family. Really?
1: All right. Okay. Jesse James, what's your rebuttal? Why is Letitia Wright as a black dancer? why would she win in the game of hide and seek
2: one? If Kevin McAllister was good at hiding, Home Alone would be a very boring movie. He would have just hid the whole oh. time. But instead, he decided to defend oh. the house. We wouldn't even have a movie if Kevin knew how to hide. If he knew how to hide, he would have just hidden. And, and, and evaded the robbers. Meanwhile, Letitia Wright, sure, I haven't seen Wakanda forever yet, but I know enough <laughs> about the Black Panther franchise to know the entire premise of the movie that Leticia Wright and her family hid an entire nation from the entire world for all of its existence. <laughs> she wasn't just hiding herself. She was hiding the entire nation of Wakanda. Wow. Uh-huh. You're telling me she can't out-hide a, a kid who couldn't even hide from two of of probably the dumbest villains in all of movies, (laughs) he could not evade, okay? She hit an
5: entire country. All right, what's your your rebuttal, Derek? What's your rebuttal? Listen, I'm going to say this. They got all this tech in Wakanda. Listen, listen, I watched Wakanda forever, and I felt Mm -hmm. like I was in Wakanda. But I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this right now. Ain't nobody finding Kevin McAllister unless he wanted to be found. That was the whole thing of the whole movie. Right. When you look at it, he want he He, he, wanted he was slept yeah. in the basement. He wanted he slept, to smoke. He had to sleep in the attic. He, man, I, I really, he wanted to smoke. He was like, Look, he was like, Listen, if, true, a can, if a man, or if a little kid can take out two grown adults with uh, right. some doggone Christmas ornaments, uh, some tar, <laughs> and a nail, right? When he could have just hid, he was letting y'all know the whole time in the movie that he was just playing with them the whole time, bro. He was hiding. Mm. He really just wanted to smoke. Like, bruh said he bought that action. Have you seen uh, what McCully Coke looked like in real life? We ain't seen Macaulay Culkin For 20 years We ain't know where Macaulay Culkin was hiding For the past 20 years Since the movie came out He was one of the most Uh Successful little child actors In the world So I'm saying He was hiding Like bro Come on What is we talking about bro Kevin McAllister all day And I hate this And I hate to choose somebody over Wakanda, but look,
3: <laughs> let y'all know,
5: Kevin McAllister. All right, what's your final statement, Jamie?
3: Well, my final statement is: if we're going to talk about Kevin McAllister, uh, Kevin in Home Alone yeah. playing hide and seek, I don't think he knows the rules very well either. Like he just wasn't good at it because he did everything for, for the for the worst villains in the world to come back. He, he put wanted the, to smoke. He put the people in the sh- in the window. Yep. You know, he was like he he just wasn't. I just I still think that, that Jesse like I don't if, if Jason picks Kevin McAllister over a woman hiding an entire nation and, and a kid yes. who like was playing games and listened to watching old movies and all kind, like I don't even know where Jason is. I'm This is the actually. problem.
5: How you hide a whole nation? It wasn't the fact that Wakanda didn't exist and people didn't know about Wakanda is white folks didn't know about Wakanda in the movie. <laughs> Everybody, but good Black Panther was out here whipping black folks all across Africa in a suit with some clothes. Like it wasn't a fact. Y'all, that's what I'm saying. She, she's still
2: hiding it from somebody. Yeah, she's still pretty it's good at pretty hiding. It's pretty
5: easy to hide black stuff from white folks. Y'all don't be knowing what we on. <laughs> Y'all, by the time, by the time white folks catch on to a black dance, we done moved on to twelve other dances. You talk about a nation in Africa. Uh,
3: you, you're, just like-
2: her, you're just making you're just making our point for us, Derek. She would have won yeah. against Kevin McAllister.
5: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not- she would hide it I'm from saying, the white. Kevin. It's just white folks is late. Look, y'all <laughs> couldn't even find Kevin McAllister. <laughs>
6: alright listen I'm I'm, as, I'm a big Home Alone fan it, you know I love Home Alone but I'm, I'm just gonna be honest with you Jesse James really took this one alright Latisha Wright as a Black Panther like the hide in the nation thing like that didn't even cross my mind so that was that was
2: that uh, was pretty good, was Nancy, good I
5: don't lie bro I <laughs> wasn't cool that, that was I mean to be, fair, to
2: be fair to be fair it was the entire premise of the first yeah, film right. so yeah. it's not like it was a big stretch for me hey look. Yeah.
5: Well, hey look my heart dropped when you said it bro i ain't gonna lie i was like hey he got us off the bro. i mean he kind of teed it up for
2: me i mean it was all like right. you can't describe the plot of of the movie without saying well the
5: entire nation's been hidden for <laughs> no. like five centuries that was, great, bro. I can't right. lie. Next that was great
1: next battle all right season salt you have the grinch and jesse james you have dwayne johnson who would win in a snowball fight? All right. So we'll flip it this time. Jesse James, you're up first. Tell us why Dwayne The Rock Johnson would win in a snowball fight.
2: Jamie, do you mind if I, if I kick this one off?
3: I actually love it when you kick it off, Jesse. <laughs> I
1: have a rock take.
2: Okay. I listen to a lot of rock adjacent content, like you know, pods that talk about The Rock. And there's one thing I know about The Rock. He's arguably the most petty dude in all of Hollywood. Really? And here's why. Do you know in that in act he has to he like when he was doing uh the Fast and Furious movies, right? It was like in his contract that he had to land as many punches as Vin Diesel. He Will not lose. The Rock will never be in a movie where he what? is on the losing end of anything. He's very protective about his persona. Like, he, even with Black Adam, his latest one, it's basically he is like an unstoppable Superman. Think of any Rock movie where The Rock looks bad or The Rock loses. It doesn't exist. That's how The Rock, that's what The Rock's cooking. He, out of just sheer pettiness, and, and 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 this is this is why I think the, the rock star like I, I don't think he'll ever be like looked at as like one of the, the best actors in the world. I think he'll be I think he'll be re- recognized as one of the biggest movie stars, but he will always cap himself because he'll never be a loser. And that not only extends to his movie roles, that extends to snowball fights. He would fight dirty and probably get lawyers involved, to be honest, to make sure that he is on the winning end of the snowball fight. If I know anything about the rock.
1: Alright, season salt.
5: Tell us why the Grinch would win in a snowball fight. I just uh, googled The Rock, Black Adam since we say The Rock doesn't lose. Yeah. The Rock, Black Adam tops our 10 worst movies ever. The Rock fails in Black Adam. Possibly worst <laughs> movie ever. Black Adam, the worst movie of the decade.
2: Look at, look at, <laughs> hey, he's got receipts. Black, it made like a billion here, dollars.
5: Black Adam review. The Rock's big loud supervillain hits. Basically, hit is basically fine. What I'm saying is the Rock can lose. And I'm gonna tell you why the Rock can and will lose to the Grinch cuz the Grinch a cartoon, he ain't even real. In a snowball fight, he go he goes shoot snowballs from out of the out of the sky. It's gonna like it's gonna be crazy the, the speed he's got, a, he's, got a, he's got a he's got a he's got a terrible heart condition exactly he can't even he, it's two times too small
2: how is his, his Blood's not even oxygenated bro, enough because, because be he Because but
5: But and look he stole the, the rock's working the out man, like four times a day exactly and, and the rock can't even steal Christmas the Grinch stole all of Christmas so you know he gonna be able to throw all the snowballs <laughs> he don't even like Christmas so you know he want all the smoke with the snowballs anyway <laughs> so what I'm saying is bro this man literally stole Christmas Somebody with that level of 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 dog in them in a battle with the Rock in a snowball fight, what you talking about, bro? I don't even know what we're saying. Like the the, the Grinch beat Santa Claus, bro. Santa Claus is so powerful he can stop space and time for one day, and the Grinch beat Santa Claus. So you telling me he can't <laughs> beat a wrestler? And and Black
1: Adam's entire domestic box office run. Was eclipsed by Wakanda forever in two days. So, just FYI, Black Adam, while successful, quote unquote, in two days.
5: So, you know. so we talk about yeah, losing. It, it
2: only it only made two hundred fifty million dollars the first weekend. Jamie, land this plane. Jamie, land this plane.
3: Okay. But here's the thing though, we're not talking about Black Adam. We're talking about a snowball fight. Yeah, that's okay. True. I want to bring us back to what we're talking about real quick. Now we do know that the Rock, some interesting facts about him that I know is that he yes. he works out nonstop. Boom. He only sleeps like three hours a day. Boom. He takes three showers a day. He exfoliates every time he takes a shower. And this is why this is important because The Rock is not gonna have a snowball fight in a snowsuit. He's gonna be shirtless. He wants oh. to show off his tattoos. He oh. wants to show off his muscles. So his skin is so exfoliated. Those snowballs hit him, and they literally just fall. it. It isn't it even a fight because the snow just kind of goes away. It hits that smooth skin, and it's done. Like mm. it. So mm. the rock is gonna be so strong. He's gonna have thirty-five snowballs to every one snowball the Grinch has. Cause he what the Grinch's like one oh five wet, and and you know he can't even hold
1: all the snowballs. So mm.
4: I just the rock is gonna take all it right.
1: down. Emily, f- final point.
4: Um, I want to go back to Jesse's point that The Rock, like, contractually has this thing where he has to win all the time, Mm -hmm. which we have proven to be false. But as you were talking about that, all I could think about was, I'll just say it, it kind of screams insecurity. (laughs) So I just don't think that he, he, I think he's projecting that he's very strong. But clear, I mean, if he was really that strong, would he need it in a contract? Mm. You know, the Grinch, as we pointed out, barely has a heart. So, Let's be honest, people that are mean, they're going go to go after the on. insecurities. He's so you're just saying gonna the Grinch is going to fight dirty.
2: You're saying the Grinch is oh, I dirty? I think
4: the Grinch might kill the rock. <laughs> I'll
2: be <honest>. Wow. This <laughs> escalated. This is when dramatically right. dramatically escalated
4: <laughs> to murder. It
1: went
2: from a snowball fight to Let's straight go, up Emily. the rock being murdered
4: straight fight murder. You're right. A straight murder. Right. He's gonna put rocks in the snowballs. Rocks
1: in the snowballs. <laughs> yeah, he's he's
5: shifting. He's evil.
1: Just escal- right, this Jason escalated is the dramatically. This is
5: amazing. Yeah,
4: I did. <laughs> Jamie is the
6: winner. Yeah, I don't even want to know why Jamie knows so much about the uh, rocks uh, showering and exfoliating situation.
4: I think it's helpful that. knowledge.
6: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's very helpful knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> she had that in her pocket for a while, uh, waiting for this moment. Um <laughs>
2: You know, guys, I've been waiting to address this. I was going to just bring it up at random later in the episode, but I do want to talk about the Rock's skincare bow, routine.
5: Bow, bow, bow. Die, yeah. <laughs> this
2: was my slice, but I want to tell you about how many times you showers every oh,
6: single day.
5: Okay. okay. I think
6: that uh, Seasoned Salt made a really good point, so we're going to give them
5: this one. Mess with us. All right. There you go. We tied up, baby. We tied up, baby.
1: All right. Last round. Here we go. Uh, Season Salt, you have Tom Hanks in a fat suit in a weird European accent. And then uh, Jesse James, you have Will Ferrell in character as Elf. Who would win in a Floor is Lava contest? Uh, Since you won the last one, Season Salt, you're up first. Tell us why Tom Hanks in a fat suit and a weird European accent would win a Flores Lava contest against Will Ferrell in character as Elf.
4: (laughs) I was really hoping you would take this. Um, Sure, sure, sure. So Tom Hanks. um, Talk about a man who really can't lose. You know, he just everyone loves him. He's so great at everything he does. One of the best people on the planet. You know, I, I can't think of anyone who doesn't like him. He's just so well loved. Likeability so does not
2: translate to Flores Lava. Trust me, I've watched enough episodes to know. I'm
4: setting it up. Um, he's just great at everything he does. So I think he could walk out onto the Flores Lava floor competition um, and he would exceed all of our expectations. But we also wouldn't be surprised because it's Tom Hanks and everyone loves him and everyone knows he can do great things. Um, this is the tough one. Uh
1: Tom Hanks, everybody loves him and knows he can do great things. Okay. Great. Okay. Yeah. Jesse James. I'm so sorry, Derek. Jesse James, tell us why.
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey, Emily, you might not. I, I, I can start if you want. <laughs> but
5: Emily, listen, I, I'm gonna
3: I'm gonna keep it real here. I've never seen this floor is lava thing. So but I'm assuming it's a little like contest. You gotta work your way through a little Optical yeah. course here's hey, what i need J- J- to say jamie that- Hold
2: on. can i paint a picture for the show for you mm-hmm. yeah have you ever seen the film elf
3: well yeah i see it every year like a hundred times y-
2: you know the first couple scenes where he jumps on an iceberg and basically yeah, that's it. it he basically floors <laughs> lavas from the north pole all the way to new york city pretty much effortlessly that's the game show what he does Well, so we're first- not
5: talking about elf we're talking about will ferrell in character as elf that's what we're talking about. Which
3: is what he was at elf. But I'm saying
5: yeah. he, he's not an actual elf. So we have to make sure it's Will no, Ferrell, the that. actor, yeah, yeah, and yeah. character. It's Will Ferrell. Yes. yes. Uh-huh.
3: But listen, I, I've seen elf, like I can quote it, like, you know, the back of mm-hmm. my hand. And if if he's going to go through an obstacle course like that, first of all, I, I, I don't want... I'm going to be real careful with my mm-hmm. words here, but Tom Hanks in a fat suit, I think no matter who it is, if you're in a suit that is not your regular mm-hmm. body, it's going to be difficult mm-hmm. for you to move okay. in an agile okay. state, okay? okay? Yeah. So that's just hard not work. Will Ferrell, he's got that bodysuit on. Do you know how fast you can move with a bodysuit? Do you mm-hmm. know how agile you are in a bodysuit? And did you see Will Ferrell as Elf when he maneuvered his way through all those yellow cars? I mean, it was like he was on an obstacle course and mm. he never, he was just working his way through downtown New York. Will Farrell, as elf, would beat anybody in mm. this contest, mm. especially Tom Hanks in a fat suit where no one could understand what he was saying.
2: Yeah, because I will say this buoyancy does not play into floors lava. Once you touch the lava, you're out of the game, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. That's just how it works.
3: Yeah. And Will ferrell has mm-hmm. got those ballet shoes on. Like that's gonna help him too. Very
5: nimble. Yeah. I mean he's light on the speed.
4: I need you to bring this okay. home for this us is, somehow, listen, please.
5: I'm gonna make it really easy for y'all. I'm gonna I'm gonna name you two movies. And Tom Hanks was a part of those two movies. And
3: Did does he was he in a fat suit with a weird European accent?
5: No, but I'm gonna explain I'm gonna explain to you why that's not even relevant in these two movies. So we have Forrest Gump. And we mm-hmm. have Castaway. Mm-hmm. And Forrest Gump, he was literally training as a runner because Forrest Gump would just run, 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 run. He had to actually do athletic training for that. If we're talking Castaway, have you seen a picture of Tom Hanks's body in Castaway? Here, I will show it to you. That's what he looks like. The wow. man wow. is a training beast when it comes to doing anything. So, if he wants to gain weight, he does that. When he gets in the character and does his thing, he goes crazy. But in Castaway, matter of fact, Tom Hanks went so crazy in Castaway that he had a weight loss plan in uh, a renowned online site called Weight and Skin. And it talks about his. Uh, Tom Hanks' weight loss and diet plan and fitness routine. He actually has a fitness routine proven to help bring down diabetes. So we're saying this man with this level of commitment to any role and this man with this level of commitment to success is going to lose to a man in tights and 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 red uh, shoes. I don't think so. I think Tom Hanks. When have you ever seen Will Ferrell look like he could even jump over a phone book? I'll wait.
3: I just would like—I'd like to just talk to the judge for a second. I just want to make sure we're all staying on track here, Jason, with this—you know—all all, the this stuff we got going on here. Because, because <laughs> you know, Cameron did not say Tom Hanks in Castaway
5: in a fat suit, but he worked out. He's working out. Okay, he's working out for Flores Lava. That's what I'm saying. He is working out for Flores Lava because he knows what's ahead of him. Right? Will Ferrell is just going to show up in some green tights and some pointed red shoes, and he gonna fall off the first obstacle course because Will Ferrell don't even look like, he don't even look like he walked to the kitchen to eat. He look like, yeah, people bring the food Jesse, to Jesse,
2: bring it home. You know, Will Ferrell ran a sub-four-hour marathon for any non-runners wow. out there, that is mm, really fast. Wow. He's run. He's run three, I think. Okay, the same point applies. Does he have his, his own, own all, weight
5: loss and workout routine uh, that people?
3: You are You don't need on. to lose he weight. Doesn't. You
4: need to run marathons. Exactly. Okay, he pull needs up the picture it. of Castaway. again. He
2: needs the the nutrients in his body. And plus, look, Flores Lava is a game. Is a, is a game of, uh, 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 of savvy and strategy. Tom Hanks to. Too nice of a guy. He's not trying to outthink. Um, we got to go Will Ferrell and Elf here. What it, happened
4: to character doesn't determine who
0: wins. <laughs>
2: this, is, this is a ruthless game. Emily. It is a ruthless. <laughs> <laughs> Flores Lava is a ruthless game. You either win or you're boiled alive in lava. Them's the rules. So, do you want to go Mr. Nice Guy here? No.
6: No, you don't. What's up, Jason? Okay, listen. So uh, I watched Floors Lava for the first time last week. Jamie, you need to watch it. It's actually really entertaining. Okay. Um yes. peak of entertainment. Yes. Yeah, it, yeah, it really is. It's, it's the just, best
5: show on Netflix. Best movie, better, better, okay, better than I'm Stranger in.
6: Things. It was. It was our podcast that made me go listen to that or go watch it rather. um Good. so this was a tough one I'm not going to lie to you because I actually I have really well, listen. Jason? I just have a heart I have a heart for Tom <laughs> Hanks and it's a really good point and I had no idea you had a workout plan I mean I might tap into that and then you know I love Elf so but as far as your points go uh, I'm going to have to give the point to Jesse James so all right, no! you guys, Kevin. I love you guys, Derek. I love
4: you. You really you know. I, helped
5: tried, I, tried. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I tried. I did if not. If nothing at else, all. Will
3: Farrell demonstrated it in the beginning of the movie. Just yeah. like Jesse said. Exactly.
2: He floors lava from Antarctica to the Brooklyn to Bridge. New York City. Yeah. Yep. I think he can. I think he went a five
6: minute round. Yeah, Emily yeah. was trying to really appeal to folks's heart at the beginning there. She says, "You know, Tom Hanks <laughs> is a great guy. and He's good at everything." <laughs> my man, my man was jumping over narwhals, Okay, he'd be just
2: fine on the Netflix show.
4: Okay? I was actually Hope just trying to dad. run the clock to give Derek time to think of an actually good argument. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was really taking one for the That's team. That's a good play too. That's a good play. I'm yeah, because like. I'll be honest, I know I had nothing to start. Like I felt like Michael Scott when he says. Like sometimes I just start a sentence and just keep talking to see if
2: if it it. goes somewhere. That's really, as I
4: was talking, I was like, what is the next word to come out of my mouth?
2: Hey, Emily, you held it down. Emily, to be fair, I've been doing that on this podcast ever since day one. You know, I never know. (laughs) That's the secret to
4: podcasting. All I
2: know is it's my turn to say something and we're just going to see what happens here because it could, you know, sometimes you got to let it rip, you know? Let the arrow draw the bow. You know what I mean? Just kind of start talking, see
1: what happens. That's perfect. All right. Well, that was fun. Uh, that'll do it for. Epic bow. Before we wrap things up, I want to thank Tim Keller for joining us today. Make sure to check out his latest book, Forgive Why Should I and How Can I? It's available now. You don't want to miss it. Also, uh, head over to relevantmagazine.com where we're covering the intersection of faith, life, and culture every day. Uh, we publish like 10, 15 articles a day during the week. You should check it out. Um, make relevant magazine.com part of your browsing or just follow us on all the socials or on Twitter. We're posting on Instagram, obviously Facebook and, uh, you know, stay in touch. If you aren't a social media person and you want to stay in touch right there on the front page of relevant magazine.com, you can sign up for, um, relevant today, which is our top five trending stories delivered to your inbox every morning. It's a great way to Stay plugged in, even if you're not on social. Uh, Hey, while you're at the site, make sure to click on the magazine tab to check out the fall issue of Relevant. Um, Well, on that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. I'm Derek Miner. I'm Emily Brown. We'll see you next time. Have a great week, everyone.
2: The the Rock's working out like four times a day.
3: (laughs) Relevant Podcast Network.